Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey folks, stand by for John and Cliff. But first, it's shocking that your home can be stolen this easily. That's the brutal lesson Deborah learned when thieves found her home's title online, then forged it and literally took ownership of her home. In an instant, thieves legally owned Deborah's home. She got evicted, spent a fortune in legal fees trying to get it back. The FBI calls home title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes, and you do not want to be next. That's why I urge you to protect the online title to your home with Home Title Lock. The legal documents to your home are kept online where thieves hunt them. They forge the documents stating you sold your home then they borrow against your home and stick you with the payments. No insurance or bank protects you. Home Title Lock does. You could already be a victim of title fraud and not know it. Find out now. Register your home at HomeTitleLock.com and enter Voices for one month of free protection. Again, enter Voices for one month free at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. And now let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, March 18, 2020, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Today, we welcome back the great John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter for a conversation about, well, the only things happening at the moment, the election, the pandemic crisis, the economic meltdown, and how the hell we're all dealing with it. And by the way, John and Cliff are the hosts of the Unprecedented Podcast, patreon.com slash podcast. And wherever you get your podcast, links in the description. If you like what you hear today, please help support this show by subscribing to our bonus content at patreon.com slash Show or just simply bobseskashow.com. All right, let's catch up with my friends, John and Cliff. How are you guys doing? I mean, let's start with John since I talk to Cliff all the time. How are you holding up in all this? I'm holding up. You know, it's funny. It, um... Boy, it feels like September 11th all over again. Mm-hmm. And I and I mean that sort of, well, obviously in a bad way. There's no good way. But I, what I mean is in an unhealthy way rather than just an okay way. Because yeah. I remember during September 11th getting so sucked into the news cycle that we were following everything. And, you know, I was still, this was sort of pre-internet in many ways back yeah. then. You know, so I wasn't blogging, but I was writing at about.com. So I still was writing articles. So I, I felt the need to always be on top of the story. And after a while... I didn't realize how much it was driving me nuts. Like after two months of it, you know what I mean? You're just, you're almost getting into a panic every day that you don't even realize. And for your youngins out there, much more of a panic than you get reading Trump's tweets every day. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it, it was, yeah. anyway, it starts to freak you out. I think you don't quite realize it. And that's one thing we've all got to be careful with. Yeah, exactly. I would say also, I would say now we were, we kind of felt like we were under constant assault, which mm. it, it feels a bit like now. You know, you had 9-11, but people often forget now the anthrax attacks that came right afterwards. Oh, yeah. And so you just kept feeling like, oh, my God, the world's coming to an end. Like, what's the next shoe to drop? You know, what is going to happen next? And and that's, you know, that is the way this feels. The first time I've felt that way since then, where, uh, you know, I mean, Trump's doing crazy shit for the past, you know, three years and you're always wondering is what he's going to screw up and what's going to go wrong and who's he going to start a war with accidentally and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But then on top of it now, 
that normal unease with just Trump's very existence as our president, quote unquote, uh, you've got, you know, I mean, this thing, obviously, we can't trust fully what's being told to us. We're, we're, we're smart people, all of us, three of us. I'll by Trump. throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, we're reading yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, like Trump. So, I mean, we're reading things by the WHO and, and, mm. and, you know, world organizations and studies from various countries. And, and so I think we're, we have a good handle on it, but it doesn't change the fact that it, that, you know, it's all pretty damn freaky and scary and you don't kind of know fully what's going on. And then of course, then there's the economic aspect of it too, which yeah. is, if you have any money in the market, <laughs> oh my God. it's not the most relaxing thing either. No, not at all. And remember right after 9-11 too, it was not only anthrax, but there were also the DC snipers. Remember the, uh, John, you got to remember That's, the DC oh snipers. Yeah. So it was like a chaos all around, yeah. but I, I feel like with this particular thing, with the coronavirus crisis of this pandemic that we're living through and the massive across the board changes that are happening to people around the globe. I feel like the baseline though, was already a place of crisis where we were dealing with the Trump crisis. And I kind of felt like dealing with Donald Trump for the last three plus years was kind of like its own. It was certainly not as disastrous as 9-11. Certainly there wasn't the spectacle of 9-11. But I feel like covering the Donald Trump crisis all this time has been kind of like covering an ongoing breaking news disaster kind of story. And that's just the starting place for getting into now this confluence of a global pandemic, our lives all disrupted. Now we've got a financial economic meltdown on our hands. It's really stacking up quickly. And I feel like at some point, we're going to have to start confronting like the mental health aspect of all of this. People in confined quarters with their yeah. family members. I, I, you know, I just noticed. I was going to ask you guys about this. Uh, they just announced that Pennsylvania is going to be closing all of its liquor stores, and they don't allow for grocery stores to sell wine and liquor up there. I mean, I get it, but ahead, that John. you know, to some degree, just here's the problem. Okay, it's funny. I was arguing with people in San Francisco last night on Twitter because they were like, "We need to get out and have our exercise for our mental health." And I was like, "You know what? Mm. First, save your damn life, then worry about your your mental health next." And yeah. I feel the same way a little with this. But having said that, you know, people need a little bit of an outlet. So I, I, I mean, to be honest, I think I would want people to have liquor if they need it. But the problem is. You don't need people lining up at the liquor store and doing what they're doing everywhere else. Right, right. You know, they're, they're not going to be six feet right. apart. How are they going to be six feet apart? Every every bottle of wine you look well, at, the person next to you jogs over. I mean, it's you got you to be smart you know, about it. I mean, I'll just say, I mean, look, we've been on Ohio's been on semi lockdown. I wouldn't call it full lockdown. And again, I don't know how we're fully defining that. Like mm-hmm. San Francisco, do they have? Our coffee shops open where you can go in and grab coffee and leave because that's what we have. You can't sit in any restaurants here. You can't sit in bars. All that stuff's been been shut down now for three days. Um, but uh, you know, one thing you can do the coffee place I go to. You know, you go in, you stay away from other folks. There's usually only a few people in there. There's nowhere to sit. No one's allowed to hang out. You get your coffee. They're right. they're doing they're making it with gloves on with latex gloves on and and all that, and you leave. Like, I think, you know, that kind of a situation, that's fine. Everybody needs to walk outside and get some air and do whatever, but you just got to be smart about it. I mean, again, yeah. I, you know, I look, I live in, I mean, I live in a city, it's Cincinnati, it's still the Midwest, and maybe there's that Midwest ice thing, I don't know. But everybody around here, at least, you know, there's a fewer people on the street, absolutely, but people will, will you'll see people walking, everybody's staying far enough away from each other. You know, the, most of the places that are restaurants don't deliver or anything like that, so they're closed. But the few places that are open, you go in, you avoid people, you get out. Yep. And I mean, I think you're right on some level, but I mean, look, long term, we are going to have to address that. We already have a high suicide rate in this country. Mm-hmm. We've got, as, as I'll say, as I've probably said on our, our show, John, and on your show many times before, Bob, way too many people out there who own guns and yep. don't possess the full yeah. faculties to own guns. And that's a problem other Western countries do not have. So uh, this is something we're going to have to address at some point. But, you know, what John's saying is important. I mean, the first things first, which is we've seen the studies. We've seen what works. We've seen what South Korea did. Now Italy, for the first time, is yeah. seeing a drop in cases. 
after six days of lockdown. Yeah. Like, we got to take this seriously. How long will people remain isolated before they just start to rebel? I mean, certainly we're seeing it already where people are just going to the yeah. beach, but I've been talking about the, the sensible yeah. people, people like us, where after a month, maybe a month and a half, maybe we, we get into mid-May, coming up on June, are yeah. people just going to start defying all of these orders and just leaving their house and just going around and, and trying to do things, maybe businesses reopening, restaurants reopening in defiance of, of uh, both national and state level ordinance? Uh, does that actually happen? Or do you think that people are going to, out of fear of actually catching this, they're going to tolerate the isolation for much longer than I think I'm anticipating? Yeah. I mean, I think businesses, if it's under penalty of law, they're going to be very mm. careful because they don't need to lose their business license. Yeah. So I think you're going to see very few, if it's under penalty of law, very few businesses that are going to reopen. What worries me is they're already saying in Italy they're starting to have a problem, people going so stir-crazy that they're starting to break you know, break the rule, the quarantine a little bit, and that's only been two weeks in Italy. Mm. You know, there's that, that study that just got kind of released in the last day or two. It went public, but it's the... It is the study from Imperial College in England that is the study that changed the British government's policy on this entire virus and freaked Trump out earlier this week, which is why Trump at least is sounding much better than he was. And the study basically, it's a little too much to go into, but bottom line, they said we can avoid millions of deaths if we pretty much lock everything down for two months, but just lock it down. Yeah. Right? Everyone stays yeah. home, all business is closed. But here's the problem. It wipes out all those deaths. You only have a couple thousand deaths. But you got to stay locked down for two months. You get one month to go outside. You then get locked down for two months. You get one month to go outside. And you keep repeating the cycle until we're all vaccinated in a year to a year and a half. Right, right. I don't know how the hell. I'm not going outside and dying just for fun. I'm still going to stay at home but I'm going to be out of my freaking gourd at that point. Well, you'd be amazed at the number of people who are okay with taking that risk. I mean, we saw a video yesterday of what appeared to be like a mile-long line outside of a Costco that just seemed to go on and on and on. So, yes, the line was yeah, caused was by the fact, yeah, they were trying to keep people limited inside the store so they're not overlapping, so there's not a giant crowd inside Costco. But at the same time, they're all gathered up outside in a long line, just yeah. one shopping cart away from each other. Some of them with their kids, some of them uh, elderly people as well. And so it just seems like the capacity to abide by these quarantine and isolation rules uh, among at least Americans seems kind of foolish to expect. And I'm not saying that that they should do that. I, I'm certainly not in support of people violating the quarantine, but at the same time, it seems almost inevitable. Well, that's part of that is frankly our culture and that's the problem, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, hmm. not to, to get all meta here, but I mean, that, that has been the sort of the trap we've been stuck in. That's been to the disadvantage of just about everything to our society. Yeah. Since Reagan came into office telling us, you know, we all, we all individuals and get the government off your back and you should be able to do what you should be able to do. <clears throat> and Reagan frankly looks downright liberal, now compared to what's come since <laughs> the sort of tea party insanity that and, and let's remember <clears throat> all that stuff was about if you look like us wink wink you should be able to do whatever the fuck you want yeah you know yeah. stop taking my tax money stop telling me whether i can have a gun or not stop telling me i have to vaccinate my kids and and that's the danger of all of this now there's some of this lunacy in the left right. too i'm looking at you marion williamson <laughs> um but thank you, you know, it, it's it's but it's it's more often right now it's this sort of childish I mean Trump embodies it literally perfectly, which is why it's no surprise he became their nominee president. It's this childish you know, sort of teenage rebellion. Mom and dad, stop telling me what I gotta do. You know, if I wanna go out late, I'm gonna go out late and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And it does make you think that these are the people that at least initially until Fox News has now reversed course and Trump has reversed course because maybe Fox News realized that Killing all the people that actually are dumb enough to watch Fox News <laughs> was a bad. Business. Yeah, that's a great yeah. point. Yes, but this is most deadly for people over the age of sixty-five who are really dumb. Yeah. Hey, what's Fox's average audience in any case? <laughs> so, I mean, they've changed, and maybe that will change behavior. But I think it's most likely to still come from those quarters where you see these people just refusing to follow. So, I think the vast majority of us will follow this. Yeah. <clears throat> the question is, it's always that three percent, you know. Mm -hmm. A couple percent. I mean, that's why we we make 
laws that we make, most of us would know probably not to kill other people because we know not to. Most of us wouldn't drive 120 in a school zone. Mm-hmm. But there's always that couple percent that need to have the threat of law to get them not to do it. And that's who I'm concerned right. about. Right. Yeah. You know, in fact, I lived in Hawaii for a period of time there. And I always noticed that whenever there was a shark sighting, they would close down whatever beach it was, whatever the nearest beach was, but there were still idiot surfers who would sneak into the beach and go surfing when they knew that there was a shark in that water. So that's kind of my frame of reference for this. Right. People knowingly will go out and risk their own health because, that. see, to me, that's the ultimate illustration as to why maybe so many people are voting for Joe Biden right now. I think it's this... There's a starvation in process right now, a starvation for normalcy, for familiar. Yes. And I think that is yes. one of the primary movers of this uh, overwhelming support for Joe Biden when Joe Biden hasn't spent a, hardly a penny on his campaign. But everyone's going, see, that guy, that reminds me of before all of this chaos. We want more of that now. And it's a, and it's really a driving factor. It's that craving for something that I mean, is what, recognizable. I mean, what's interesting with that, Bob, though, is that when you think about it, you know, the Biden surge, even though it began during coronavirus, coronavirus didn't really start freaking people out till last week, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say maybe maybe that's not true. The markets were a couple weeks ago. But Cliff, we'd have to like look at the numbers and see the dates. But I get the feeling that the Biden surge sort of started a little bit before the coronavirus freakout, maybe whether yeah. it was a week oh, before. Well, it did. You know, wasn't it at least a little bit? Podcast, uh, you know, we, it did definitely start before people. But again, you and I have discussed on the podcast, and Bob's point, I think, is, is still very true here, which is. Oh, but we now, already, no, but now Corona, forget it. Right. There we people were picking him the problem now. Yeah. Well, I'm saying we were already longing for that normalcy. And I yeah, brought that yeah. up on the podcast yeah. before coronavirus. Yes. You know, I was going back. It's funny. I was doing the comparison to who originally ran on that not actually English word and just made it up, which is Warren Harding, uh, Mm -hmm. Ohio Senator, right? Ran and said, because you had the 19 teens. And I always talked about, you know, well, we'd be coming off of World War One, right? We'd be coming off, there was sort of these attacks from certain radical leftist groups, you know, I mean, no huge ones, but bombings here and there, Wall Street, stuff like that. And we had then a good thing, but it was something that riled up the the sort of status quo, which is women fighting for the vote. And Harding then and night comes along and is like, I just want normalcy. But what's the one thing, of course, I forgot to mention pre-coronavirus? The Spanish flu, of course, was yeah. a huge part of that too, mm-hmm. right? In right. 1918 and 1919. So this feels so much like almost uh, like 100 years later, you know, kind of a similar situation where there's been, there's been all this, this sort of social agitation, often for good things. You know, we've been hit by this lunatic president and all the stuff that's been going on, and we've been involved in these wars and, you know, and all that. And then, you know, and so I think we were already there where people were like, you know what, the older guy who has great experience and is likable and smiles and sure makes some gaffes and mistakes, but in kind of a endearing way, that's what we want right now. We don't want the, right. the we certainly don't want the guy who's there right now. And the guy who's screaming on the far left, we don't really want that either. Like, we want someone who's yeah. just kind of. You know, and and I just think the coronavirus has put that on steroids. Yeah, add another word into the equation. We've got familiarity, we've got normalcy, and stability. I think stability is a gigantic one, especially for people who have mutual funds and 401ks, and they're watching all of it, even before this gigantic crash that we've been watching uh, in slow motion over the past several uh, weeks. It's also the fact that um, the volatility on the markets have been kind of ongoing since uh, early 2018 when the trade war began and so there was that steady climb in the markets and everyone was okay it's it's like this everything's going up and that's great but it's going up in a smooth steady way but then suddenly donald trump starts this trade war and it's these wild swings i mean 700 points down one day uh, a thousand points up the next day 800 points down the next day and it's like it's a constant state of whiplash it's that feeling like you're getting yeah. yanked around you know which end is up which direction to go and that's also that that uncomfortable leaning too far back in your chair feeling that is the perpetual sensation <laughs> observing the donald trump presidency so with that as the baseline you stack everything on top and everyone's starting to go oh my god i just 
I would love to have the Obama years back. And while I know a lot of Democrats would like to see further changes, and I think those changes need to take place, I think the main driving factor here is everyone wants to unplug the computer and plug it back in and then start installing new games and apps and shit like that before, you know, so you got to start with the, the reboot. And I think this is this election in particular. I hope, I hope this turns out this way in the long run. I hope this is that reboot. Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, you know, part of, but part of what worries me is, people being sort of fickle. And we saw it with Hillary going into the election last time where, you know, Trump was ahead, Hillary was ahead, Trump was ahead, Hillary was yeah. ahead. Oh my God, the action, you know, the Access Hollywood tape is going to sing Trump, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. It made me feel like support just wasn't deep enough that it kept going back and forth. And yeah. even this Biden thing, you know, then it was first it was Biden, then we went through every other candidate and now everybody loves Biden again. I just worry whether... You know, somehow we managed to get this under control by election time. Well, I don't worry. I hope to God we get it under control by election time. But what I worry about is voters just sort of forget everything we just went through and go, yeah, but, you know, he's not the socialist. Biden uh, the socialist or Biden yeah. the corrupt. Mm-hmm. People are right. seem kind of stupid lately. Not on our side, but boy, <laughs> even the people in the middle. They're not Actually, so yeah, I'm on our side, too. The, the reason why I see it as different, John, is I see this as more sort of analogous to t- other times. You know, the, the, thing, the problem with 2016 is that it was, it was much more analogous to 2000, you know, which is, hmm. which is things have been moving in positive directions for a while. The right-wingers were angry as hell because they're always angry as hell. There's, there's a certain element on the, on the far left who is angry as hell because they're never satisfied with anything. Mm-hmm. And, but most of us were in a position where we felt things were okay, but, we, but in the end, both Al Gore and Hillary Clinton were, were not these sort of soaring rhetoric candidates or even these hugely likable candidates, if we're being honest. And a lot of people were like, yeah, I can take a chance on the other guy because things are going great. What could go wrong? It's sort of, you know, sort of, sort of Donald Trump line. I'm like, what do you have to lose? Well, it's hard to know right. what you have to lose when you're not losing it. And when you, your historical memory is right. so short, you forgot, oh, right. What do we have to lose with George W. Bush? That's right. Getting into a war, into a country yeah. that we had no business right. being in and ignoring warnings of 9-11 and Katrina and, you know, and everything else. And so people have forgotten. And, I, and you know, again, I'm not saying this is a guarantee of anything. I will be nervous as shit till the, until hopefully the electoral you know, count goes over 270 for Biden. But it does, right. I, I feel better about this election than that one because the truth is you're not going to forget what you're going through because Donald Trump can't keep his yap shut mm-hmm. and is there to remind yeah. you every single day yeah. of what we're going through, what we're up against. And so people are like, oh, yeah, Gary Johnson, that sounds like fun. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be doing shit. that this well, time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, but today, but, the markets were staying pretty steady at around eh, around negative six percent, and I laugh because the new normal is, hey, the markets are only down six percent today. That's not so bad. It's I know, just kind of my crazy, God. You know, but but they were hovering around negative six percent, which wasn't so bad. Trump started talking at a little press conference, and you watched where they dropped two points or two percentage points during the press conference, and now they're down ten percent. Yep, which means. And everyone's interpreting this way and they're saying on TV that basically, once again, the market didn't like what they were hearing. He's freaking them out. Mm-hmm. And he just, you know, I mean, it's got this morning. He was tweeting again this morning about it's not my fault, the fake news and the fake this. And he's calling God, Biden he's names. Yeah. And it just. Yeah. Oh. Just I mean, just so you know, we are almost to the threshold of November 9th, 2016 on the Dow. I think we're about 100 points away from erasing all of the yeah. Trump gains back to Election Day. So it's not yeah. only surpassing that threshold yeah. for Inauguration Day, but now we're rewinding all the way back to yeah. uh, when Trump really first started bragging about the stock market. I mean, he really he does not have a very good argument to make the economy. First of all, from the beginning, the economy should have been his argument and it wasn't. He yeah. much preferred to go the racist nativist way. Right. Right. But he was able to claim GDP was he used to lie and say his GDP was growing stronger than Obama's. It wasn't. Nope. But GDP was still doing OK. Right. Unemployment lowest ever. Yeah. It only went down 1% while Trump was in office. It went down 5% when Obama was in office. But nonetheless, it is the lowest in a long time. Mm-hmm. But he didn't do it, right? All of that stuff, gone now. Unemployment, God knows what unemployment is going to be in a few months. But it's going to be probably a lot worse than 10 years ago, right? GDP is going to collapse in the next few quarters. Um, 
Uh, everyone's incomes are gone. Everyone's 401k. It's not gone, but your 401k, you know, you don't want to maybe cash hit. it out for another 10 years. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's, you know, mine, uh, several hundred thousand dollars are gone, but hopefully they will come back someday by the time I retire. Right. But all of those, every single economic gain he could have claimed is gone. Yeah. And all he's got left is he keeps claiming, oh, the virus would have been worth if I didn't cut off all those Chinese from coming over. No, we would have a lot fewer people dying had he acted on this two months ago. Yep. You guys, I'm sure you saw Dana Bash on CNN yesterday. Did the, yeah. the whole yeah. Charlie Brown and Lucy, you know, football sucker bet and started into yeah. the, oh, my God, Donald Trump pivoted. He's finally being presidential. Yeah. And so Listen, my yeah, concern yeah, and, and my concern, Jones, yeah. <laughs> if things improve by, say, June, is the press going to coronate Trump as the hero of all of this? I mean, will Trump get a uh, post-pandemic bounce if things work out in a best-case scenario kind of way? And we we all know that he shouldn't, but there's a very strong possibility, especially seeing how people reacted, uh, including the press, to George W. Bush after 9-11. Um, they're going to react the same way to Trump. And that's my big concern is that sometime later this summer, he's going to get a big boost right in the nick of time. And that could, uh, who knows, that could push him over the top. I'm not well, trying to add problems to the worth, stack, but you know. It's always worth worrying about. Uh, I think the bigger problem, so I mean, you know, the press, the thing is about them, and I, I spent a lot of time, especially with the New York Times, on, on their refusal to call him out for what he is. Yeah. I don't think it's that they're going to coronate him. The different, there is a difference between Trump and Bush in that whatever we thought of George W. Bush's policies, and I don't think much of them, uh, he was a likable guy who, yeah. who smoothed with the press and they liked him and whatever. And they let him right. get away with a lot more because of that. They all loathe Donald Trump. Right. Now, so to me, it's not a problem of of their doing it because they like you know they like him in the way they do with Bush. The bigger problem is is that what Dana Bash did the other day is they just they they so get get traumatized by being attacked as liberal media all the time that they just feel like right. they have to bend over backwards and literally you know oh look he put his pants on straight they have to give credit to yeah. a Republican for doing anything. So I don't see them coronating him as king. I'm not worried about that and sort of being like he's a hero. But what I am worried about, and I'm not even worried about it because I know they're going to do it. It, it it's, it's just a reality <laughs> yeah. I have to accept is they're going to give him way too much credit because, because Dean Bacay tells them that they can't, you know, they can't actually sit there and tell people the truth of what's going on. They can't use the words lie. They can't, you know, they're, they're, so there's no, people will never get the full sense of how awful he is in every way possible, from personally to policy to everything, because they won't. They, these outlets like CNN and, and New York Times will not allow their people to tell people exactly how bad it is, mm-hmm. and that's just right. a, a built into the whole equation. Sadly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My dog's barking at the vacuum cleaner. This is funny. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> I took the vacuum out so I wouldn't forget the vacuum later, and she's in the middle of the living room on all. Hey, John, how, how is everything going at the Kremlin annex down at the white house? Are people still out there? Or did, you, did you send everybody home? Yeah, What's they're, going on? They're out there? still showing up about, about twice a week. Now, I mean, as folks know, about a year and a half ago, a uh, number of us got together and organized this protest outside the white house, right after Trump had the Helsinki summit where he sold everything out to Putin. And, uh, you know, a, a group of us, although I'm not going there anymore, but a number of folks are still we were protesting every day. Mm-hmm. And then after about six months to a year, I think they sort of cut it back to two or three times a week because it was just, you know, people yeah, <laughs> protesting yeah. every day at the White House for two years. gets a little expensive. <laughs> right. um, so it's going well. You know, they started to clamp down a little bit and now they're requiring us to get permits every time we protest. And, you know, that's costing I don't know if it's one hundred dollars a day or one hundred and fifty a day. It's it's. You know, oh classic God. obnoxious yeah, BS from yeah. the White House. But uh, they're still there. They're still holding them responsible. And I'm That's sure good. Trump can't stand it. All right, we'll get back to our conversation with John and Cliff here in just a second. But first, we've seen the commercials before, all these topical serums that claim to improve the appearance of our skin. Those dark spot treatments, for example, that are supposed to make us look better, but they take six months, maybe more, to see results And most of the time, we can't even really see any difference, even after all that sacrifice. Now imagine a topical solution for eliminating fine lines, wrinkles, and large under-eye bags 
in just a matter of minutes. And I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery. We're talking about gone as you stand there looking into your mirror. It is called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in just a matter of minutes. It is Photoshop for your face. When Plexiderm asked me to test drive their topical serum, I absolutely jumped at the chance. I wanted to see if this stuff actually works, and man, oh man, did it work. In just about 10 minutes, all those fine lines, those crow's feet around my eyes, disappeared, gone. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself at work or out with friends. And the best part is Plexiderm lasts for hours and hours and goes on clear so nobody's going to know that you're using it. Go to triplexiderm.com, use my code VOICES for 50% off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm plus an extra $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. You can also get this offer by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com today. Use the code VOICES at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com, code VOICES. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. I wanted to talk to you, Cliff. Of course, you're a uh, an Ohio Democrat, and I want to talk to you about the postponing of yesterday's primary. Where do you land on all of that? And Mike DeWine's almost court-defying decision to uh, to postpone this thing. When's it going to happen, if ever? And uh, where do you come down on all of it? Well, so, I mean, and, and I was a big booster and, and sort of, and it's hard for me because I can't stand uh, almost anything about DeWine's policies. I gave him a lot of credit for shutting things down early in terms of our bars and our restaurants. Yeah. I think that was absolutely the right move, and I'm glad that he was more aggressive on that. My problem with, with the, uh, you know, with the election is, he should have done. He should have done that with the election then too, by waiting until the last twelve hours. Um, what that that co- I mean, I can't tell you much chaos because you know I, I, I'm a candidate that I've worked for here, who's running for our Hamilton County, the county around Cincinnati, commissioner, and like we didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, mm-hmm. it switched four different times. So one problem I have, I would say, is just at the end there, the fact that it was a last minute thing was was you know was something that that was a problem for me. Also, defying a court order concerns me always, yeah. um, because when we get to that point where we're defying court orders, um, you know, well, I mean, who enforces uh, our laws? Yeah. So these, these these were obviously both concerning to me. I think overall, all of these states should have canceled, you know, like primaries in terms of having anybody show up physically, and we should have moved to all mail-in ballots. And I don't really know why that wasn't the solution. I do really think he could have, if he, when he was talking about, you know, the restaurant and bar shutdown, could have done the same thing with our primary and said, we'll now make sure to mail ballots to everybody and not have an extra two weeks or a month to get those ballots to us. Right. And I would be fine with that. Moving it to June 2nd doesn't, to me, seem to solve the problem because we don't know that by June 2nd, we're going to be out of the woods on this again. And then it just may have to be postponed again. Yeah. So that part of it, I very much disagree with. Just give us mail-in ballots. Mm-hmm. Let's do it that way. Yeah. You know, that, that's what it seems to me would be the best way to go. And you know, the convention is on July 13. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot of time between June 2nd and July 13 for Ohioans to get a chance July to weigh uh, in. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Who the yeah. hell knows when it's going to be? But it seems what, to me as if a convention. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems to be well, a, it could be a cyber uh, convention at this point. Who the hell knows? Yeah. You know what? Yeah, it could be studio like audience. Well taken. Bob. Yeah. Like like yeah. Colbert it, is it, doing. It, yeah. I mean, you have to make June second. I think definitely the final day. So to me, the smarter thing would be, well, you know, you have to have sent them all in by June second, mm-hmm. and yeah. and, and mm-hmm. in that case, that it's not people coming in to vote that day. It's you'll have all the ballots counted by then. We'll all have done mail in, and we'll know. And, yeah. and that's the, the the much smarter move, I think. Absolutely, it just seems like there were a lot of steps in between uh, step one, public health emergency, and and the step two that Mike Dewine automatically went to, which is. Postpone the election. It just seemed like there were a lot of things that other states are doing in between those two well, uh, endpoints, right? Well, and I mean, one thing I was thinking of, and Cliff knows this more because he's been working on campaigns, but, you know, literally DeWine did it like late at night, the night before the election. Mm-hmm. First of all, you've got people who aren't going to get the news and they're going to try to go vote. Yeah. Second of all, campaigns are spending every last dime they've got the night before the election. Now you're telling them, up. Oh, you know, fake, know. And we're, we're going to be going through another two months. You have no money left to pay your staff. You have no money to buy any more ads. I mean, it's, 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 it sort of turns everything upside down. I mean, 
it's 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 right, anyway. It's, it's really weird doing last minute. Based on everything peaking at that moment, mm. and I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. Sorry, without without releasing, you know, sort of uh, uh, what I would call trade secret details. You know, we got to have a call or two since then, and, we're, and we are we're like talking about how we're going to put a new budget right. together for for paying people yeah. and for doing new stuff. Yeah. But the problem is when you don't actually know what the hell the plan is right now, it's almost impossible to do that too. So I, I probably listen, guys, you know, by like Friday at the latest, get your shit together and tell us what's going on. Yeah. And, and, and you know, preferably no. it should be by mail if we're trying to, to keep people out of uh, danger. Do you think there was I any... Mean, I was just going to say... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, John. Sorry, but, but real quick, Bob, because I will say this, though. You know, for the first time in my life, I called my mom yesterday morning in Illinois and said, don't you dare vote. She's 90 <laughs> years old. Wow. And knowing my mom, I mean, my mom is somebody where literally, you know, hates Donald Trump, will not vote for him, but she's got to have a real Democrat she can vote for because I can't just vote third party. I can't vote, you know, right in because that's throwing away my vote. Like, she's very old school about it. So I was like, oh, my God, she's going to drag, you know, her walker to the polling booth. <laughs> she goes, oh, no, no, no. I decided a couple of days ago. I was like, thank God. So absolutely forget walking to a polling booth in the next few months. I'm sure as hell not doing it, yeah. you know, but as Cliff said, they've got to figure it out now with the, with the, uh, with the, the absentee balloting. We also have to figure it out for the general election. It ain't clear. This is going to be over for a year. No. We don't know. The, the, the Spanish flu came for about a year and a half in 1918 and it came in three waves around five months apart each wave. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you think people are getting better and then it hits you again. We don't know if this is going to be around election time. It absolutely has got to be right in at that, not right in, but uh, absentee at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A mail in, drive up voting. Any of that. Yeah. There, I mean, again, there are so many options and if secretaries of state right now, state by state, get their shit together and actually start doing some contingency planning, then we're not going to have a problem. Yeah. My concern is that Donald right. Trump is going to see what Mike DeWine did in Ohio and use that as some kind of precedent yeah. or excuse to monkey around with the elections, yeah. maybe defy a court order or two. Certainly Trump doesn't have the power to unilaterally cancel the election. I think that's a, a myth that's been going around. But at the same time, States certainly do. And if Donald Trump, uh, you know, gets uh, on the phone on a conference call with a bunch of state governors and says, we should mm, postpone this election, I, I think you're going to yeah. see a lot of red state governors going along with that. With the irony being is that suddenly Trump's own voters are disenfranchised while a lot of blue states proceed yeah. with their obviously, you know, what we're going to see is carefully planned contingencies in the blue states and red states just going, well, whatever. And that's one of many scenarios we could confront in all yeah. of this. So you're My, saying yeah. blue states will think stuff out ahead of time and logically red states won't? I, I can't see that happening. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Sorry. It's a totally goofus and gallant kind of uh, dichotomy there that's for sure well uh, so i saw if any of you guys follow or hmm. you know read stuff by ian milheiser who used to be at cap yeah. oh yeah yeah right about right about the courts i think he's with vox now he mm -hmm. put out a pretty interesting scenario on, on in a series of tweets which is essentially that if you know and again i'm just reading what he said he's theoretically and uh, supposedly an expert on this stuff mm -hmm. that if trump does not hold uh, an election on election day as he's supposed to, that come January 21st, the president of the United States will be Patrick Leahy. And the way he gets <laughs> late. How does that work? Okay, you got to explain that one. Yeah, I, it's crazy and it's fascinating. So the way you get there is <laughs> if you don't hold an election uh, uh, in November, then, then come uh, January 20th, there is the Donald Trump and Mike Pence are officially no longer the president and vice president of the United States. They're gone. Right now. You've also right. then not held a house election and everybody in the house has to run every two years. So technically oh. there are no elected members of the house and Nancy Pelosi. Oh. Is in line. Fourth right. in line is Senate pro tem. And that would be Chuck Grassley right now. Cause they're in the majority who's 187 years old, as you know, and, you know, tweets yeah, about right. shooting deer when he's driving or whatever. Yeah. But, um, because there are 21 Republican seats up in this election, only 12 democratic seats up, 
that means that everybody who is not up for election would still be a senator. Everybody who is up for election would technically oh. not be a senator at that point. We would be in the majority. And as the, the majority, majority. <laughs> as the majority, wow. the Senate pro tem would be Patrick Leahy of Vermont would be our president. Holy oh shit. And at what point, though, That's does the brilliant. Supreme... What, at what point do we have, like, a Bush v. Gore Supreme Court interference move in all well, of that? They would. That's the, well, they would. Right? Yeah. That, yeah. Is that just because that's the logical thing based on our laws? As we all know from exactly what you just said, Bob, based on our laws, Florida was supposed to be able to make that decision for themselves in Bush v. Gore. And of course, the Supreme Court that always liked to blather, you know, to yell about yeah. federalism, this and that, decided to jump in and overrule them uh, in, in probably one of the most partisan Supreme Court cases in the history of this country. Yeah. So that's the issue is that legally, Ian is saying all this makes sense, and it would be Patrick Leahy. But you're right in saying, you know, does anybody believe that that Kavanaugh and Clarence Thomas people are going to sit around yeah. and let that happen? I mean, where are they going to step in? Yeah. That's that becomes the question. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And in fact, yeah. um, that's been my biggest concern all along with regard to the 2020 presidential election. Not necessarily that Donald Trump is going to try to cancel the election, but that Donald Trump will use the courts to delay the outcome of the election, thus extending his presidency. Maybe indefinitely. He's certainly been, uh, you know, not terrible at tying things up in the court system to wiggle out of all kinds of other jeopardy, whether it's his tax returns, whether it's impeachment, whether it's other investigations. And, you know, again, we could be in a scenario where, uh, once again, here I am with Debbie Downer adding more stress to the pile, (laughs) but you know, uh, we could end up, you know, December, January in, in court battles without any sort of certified winner necessarily. And, that's my biggest concern, because that seems to me as if that points directly to Trump's M.O. and all of this. What do you think, John? Yeah, no, I mean, I look, I think even an even simpler thing to do, as Cliff was saying, the night before the election, Trump sees that he's four points down. And even worse, his staff has done the analysis and says, we're going to just lose the, uh, the Electoral College. Yeah. And Trump finds a way to delay the election. All you have to do is delay it for a week or two. Mm-hmm. I right. mean, didn't they do They did this on one of the TV shows. I'm trying to think what it was. The, uh, but but all you have to do is delay it a week or two, and then we have the and now what happens? Imagine getting two weeks later, and there's a surge in the polls for Trump, and then we have the election, and Trump wins when he would have lost. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, and then you got a civil war. Well, no, you don't have a civil war because we're Democrats. We're kind of wimpy. We'll roll over for the good of democracy. <laughs> if it happened the other yeah. way around, there'd be a civil war. Yeah, if we yeah. won that way. Yeah, and you know what? No, there's... There's, look, he will cheat. He will cheat. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And that's underway. That's underway right now. Of course. Yeah. They're doing it now. And uh, with certainly with Brad Parscale's Death Star in Roslyn. That's I mean, that's the beginning. That's the tip of the cheating spear, as it were. But, you know, the other thing in all of this, too, is if this continues to cascade downward, whether it's the status of the economy and the Dow uh, or the, the coronavirus on top of all of that. Does Donald Trump, and mind you, Donald Trump has stuck Mike Pence out front on all of this. He's the guy who yeah. Donald Trump has designated, and maybe there's a, an ulterior motive for that. So we all get accustomed to Mike Pence yeah. calling some shots here. So does Donald Trump sidestep any electoral blame and just get out of the way and resign? So this way he doesn't have to face a catastrophic and humiliating loss in November, fingers crossed. That I mean, that's kind of a wild theory, but I think one worth considering given that we could never have predicted 99% of what's happened in the last three years. So I'm just kind of putting that out there as, a, as food for thought. What do you think, Cliff? Is that uh, completely outlandish or is that close to something that could happen? There's a whole lot of stuff that was completely outlandish three years ago yep. and that has actually happened. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, you know, think about the way the conversation the three of us would have been having, you know, through, before Donald Trump about and conversations we probably did have about what were conspiracies and what were, oh, my God, how are you worrying about that? And yet what we've seen happen, I mean, I never could have predicted that a president could have gotten away with essentially not staffing half of the government, (laughs) leaving important positions open for a year or two at a time. Mm -hmm. I I would have thought the very least Republicans would not allow it to happen because they cared about our national security or so they claimed. You know, so, I mean, so many there have been things and, you know, I was never accused of having a hugely high opinion of Republicans. So the fact that I was even shocked by things that they were willing to do and allow this man to do, I mean, you know, you've got to be prepared for any of that. 
I mean, the, the default is that he will cheat. Uh, we add on top of the fact that he cheats in, in everything and doesn't want to um, – is the kind of guy that, that uh, doesn't want to ever admit that he, he, he that he's wrong, that he can't do this, that he can't do that. Um, but I think you also have to factor into that that he's delusional. And yeah. that's the one thing. So in a way, that's something we may have going for us on this one because mm-hmm. he thinks when he declares that he's a winner, that means he's really a winner. And we've seen him do that numerous times where he loses and gets his ass handed to him on something, you know, a negotiation, he negotiates with the Taliban. And then they're like, get, we're, we're at war with them like 12 hours later, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, oh, look at this successful negotiation or, you know, with Kim Jong-un or whatever it is. I mean, I, I could very easily just see him doing something on the lines of, all right, I made America great again. Now I'm gone. Yep. Um, yep. And, and so the, the, what he can do, only, he can always yeah, use this. Go. He can always use the virus as an excuse for why everything went to fucking hell. Not necessarily the fact right. that he delayed upwards of three months before he ever began to even acknowledge the thing. The first case of coronavirus is, was in November, for God's sake. And so right. he, oh, he certainly, really? I mean, reality, yeah, yeah, that was the very first case. Right. And then um, the wow. reality is that a lot of what we're seeing as far as the domestic aspect of this inside the United States, whether it's the economic collapse or the impact in terms of us uh, having to isolate and so on, maybe some of that could have been avoided if he hadn't been so slow in the uptake with all of it. And so we all know that he's to blame, but but he may just say, uh, oh yeah, it wasn't my fault. This was all circumstance. It just popped up out of nowhere, as he's been saying from the press room. Well, also he'll blame us. Right. It won't yeah. just be that it was circumstance, but it, it happened. Nobody could help it. And then the Democrats spent all the time blaming me instead of taking care of it. And Nan, crazy Nancy Pelosi and blah, 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 blah. And the media made it impossible. And I mean, he'll just blame everybody on the way out. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, yeah. and it's everybody's fault. He was successful. He did a great job. He made America great again. I'm done with you. I'm yeah. taking my ball and going home. Mm-hmm. The only sort of yeah. caveat to that is. And the reason why he may not do that is because the minute he does that, he is, he is for lack of a, I don't know if this is an actual word, but he is prosecutable. Yeah, right. And yes, there is, so there is that part mm-hmm. of it. And how soon, John, do you think Trump will deny ever using the phrase Chinese virus? Because it seems like something that he's going to yeah. do. Like a week from now, it's suddenly be like, I never said Chinese yeah. virus. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. he's out there. That was part of what today. Today he was tweeting again about how, I have been on top of the virus from the beginning for months now. I've said it's a problem, and everyone's going, okay, here's your tweet from a week ago. Here, The Washington Post did a wonderful video synopsis of just his comments from the last six weeks. He called it a hoax. He said, by the way, he even insinuated in a tweet this morning because he was talking about how all of these hoaxes being thrown against me. He even kind of insinuated again that the virus was a hoax this morning. Yep. And I think what he means this time is it's a hoax saying I didn't care about the virus. It's like, dude, you've been downplaying it up until Monday, up until two days ago. Uh You were downplaying it, as was Fox News. No, he I you know, he's just it's, it's such a pathological liar. And it just constantly freaks me out because it's the kind of thing we'd never get away with. I wouldn't want a president lying this badly on our side, but we also wouldn't get away with it. And he just gets away with it. And they try to hold him responsible, but at some point, I just want to see somebody just, you know, slap him at the press con- I mean, slap him with their mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just like eviscerate the man at a press conference and go, sir, why do you lie so much? You know, just mm-hmm. really hit him with that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, then fact- have, and then have him kick that person out and go, no, I'm next. Right. You're a liar. Right. That's a nasty question. You're nasty. That that would be his response. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, they did call him a racist today. They did tell him that it was racist to call it the Chinese virus, and he got very upset with mm-hmm. that, which yeah. is great. Which yeah. is great. Well, I'd like to see every reporter well, ask Mitch McConnell and Elaine Chow how they feel about it. Yeah. Being called the Chinese virus. Yeah, that's a that's great right. point. Well, yeah. Actually, just. Actually, just ask what he's right. Just don't even mention his wife. Say, Mr. McConnell, uh, you know, the president is now calling the Chinese virus. Would you please call it? We'd just like you to, we'd like some B-roll of you calling it the Chinese virus. Watch his <laughs> yeah. face just go, uh. <laughs> yeah, do you see that as racist or does that sound like something that's good? The Chinese Chow virus. virus. I mean, Chinese virus. Well, you guys watch. the ne- Here's the next conspiracy theory, and you can always know what's next. The canary in the coal mine, or I should say the douchebag in the coal mine, is Donald Trump Jr., who just tweeted, just oh, yeah. seconds ago, just tweeted about how the World Health Organization is on China's payroll. 
That's going to be the next new oh, thing. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Yeah. So now we can't believe anything the WHO said so now about he's the virus. Them too. That's right. That's right. My God, these people are just... And, and here's the here's the idiotic thing about it. God. Donald Trump Jr. said this while quote tweeting a World Health Organization tweet, but the tweet is from January 14. So it's kind of outdated information, but of course, Patrick Bateman has to react to it. Patrick Bateman has to, you know, just jumps right on it as if it was just tweeted yesterday. So he's wrong in terms of his uh, conspiracy theory, obviously, but he's reacting with a conspiracy theory to something that is, you know, two months old. They're just a stress. You know, it's funny. Like we, I always tell people like before I moved out to the East coast from the Midwest, I, I like, I never understood this. We never even, I've never even heard the phrase like trash for people calling people trash. I was like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Never understood what it was, especially, and also like new money was another phrase I learned in the East. I was like, what does that mean? Oh my God. This <laughs> right. family mm-hmm. just embodies it, it. It just, I mean, again, as like middle-class upbringing, Midwestern boy, I totally get both concepts. Now they're, they're just the entire family is trash. They are, it they are designing a, your, your home like Saddam Hussein. <laughs> to me. Well, yeah. Liberace and Saddam Hussein's love child was. <laughs> I'm going to get a golden shitter. There's nothing that says class like that. Yeah. Exactly. The only yes. straight man in America to have an apartment decorated like that, mind you. I mean, I mean it's just... Yeah. Well, imagine, no, imagine if our presidential candidate had a house that looked like Liberace threw up in it. <laughs> Seriously, that would be the end of their candidacy. But I'm quite serious. Well, yeah, I mean, you're oh, come exactly on. right. What they do at the convention? Yeah. They'd have Sean, people dress Liberace at their Aaron, convention. Aaron Schrock had a place that was decorated like that, and he's straight. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. He actually finally came out. He did. finally came out I, the other day. Came, I right, can't help yeah. it. Yeah. But no, but but it but it really goes to this, but I'm quite serious now. It goes to this weird issue of they get away with stuff we'd never get away with. Right. And I'm serious. If our president looked like he was a flaming homosexual the way he decorated his house, you would be hearing about it. they tried to paint John Kerry as gay basically because he spoke French and wrote a well, what did he surf or whatever the hell he was doing? Yeah, it was like a windsurfing thing. Yeah. Right, right, he was a little light in his loafers. I mean, the intimation was basically gay and not quite a man, right? Yeah. yeah. This guy yeah. freaking Literally, decorates like Liberace, and we don't touch it. We don't do anything with it, and they present him as this macho man of the world. They're very good at lying, and I think we're very bad with the truth. Yeah, maybe that's the best well, way to put it. That's all true. They're much more you know? shameless than we are, and that is something that hurts us a lot. And it's hard to know yeah. what to do about that. But also, again, to go back to to you know my hobby horse, the thing I can't ever stop talking hmm. about. Again. They have a billion dollar, you know, paid infrastructure mm-hmm. that backs them up. Trump can say almost anything as we know, and Fox News gets his back. And there's just nothing yes. like that with that kind of power True. on the left. You know, and True. then you throw in Rush Limbaugh and you throw in some of the other cogs in that machine, Sinclair and the rest. And, and I mean, we just don't have that Yeah, uh, in, fact- in that way. In fact, the weakness of Donald Trump to me is emphasized by the fact that he needs so much infrastructure around him in order to prop up his presidency. All of Fox News, all of AM talk radio, even the people who surround him on the dais in the press room are all there to backstop him and to make him seem more authoritative and knowledgeable than he actually is. He's got to surround himself constantly by human shields, right? Yeah, okay. You know what's funny? You notice that. that, that they He... Today, at least, they only had, I think, six people behind him or five or something. Yeah. The previous days, they've had 16 people, right? They were saying uh, no groups larger than 10. So, of course, they had 16 people <laughs> on the talk about Trump. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, well, I'm not even telling a joke. <laughs> yeah, but, no, but I'm not even telling a joke. Yeah. Literally, there were 16 people standing on stage, arm uh, shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> the words coming out of their mouth said only groups of 10 or less and you must be six feet apart. And they were shoulder to shoulder 16. Today, there were five or six of them shoulder to shoulder. And they're clearly on stage with him at the White House so that it's this backdrop of people behind him. And none of these people have the balls to tell him we are literally breaking the very rules we are telling the country because millions are going to die if people don't believe us about these rules. And we're breaking it in the speech. I mean, I just – you know every single person on the stage knows they're violating it now. Yeah. And they still do it. I don't care. I want it. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and frankly, that's what you quit. Like, they look like hostages oh. often. If you look at their faces, you can tell they know. <laughs> they're, but to the Cliff, they're willing hostages, though. That's when oh, you quit, not giving, Mr. I, I'm President. Not if we don't, I'm not yeah. – No, I know you clear. know this. I just want to be clear. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not defending them in this way. It's just because they look yeah. like hostages. They chose to be there. Yeah. Screw them. Yeah. I mean, they're mm-hmm. hurting us with their presence. Well, they have succumbed no, to the intimidation. And say, well, they're reacting. Sorry? They're reacting to the purge, is what they're reacting to. All the officials from yeah. uh, all the various agencies that all conglomerate around Donald Trump by executive command. They're yeah. all there because right. they're worried about one, uh, Donald Trump's Twitter feed, and two, being yeah. f- being fired by Donald Trump in the middle of an economic calamity. So I get the sense that they're just guarding their own asses right now. That's why they've agreed you know, to be human shields. You know, I mean, yes and no. Here's the thing, okay? I'll tell you what my aunt in Greece told me years ago. She was a big wig in the women's movement there. And at age 93, she was telling me how, how she went up to Hillary Clinton once in 1996 at the Beijing Women's Conference, and she said to her, she goes, and I said to her, how can you stay married to that man? And I said, you did not. She goes, of course I did. A Greek woman, typical, right? <laughs> and so I'm defending Hillary and explaining how, you know, not to get into the whole story, but I'm explaining, you know, it was Hillary's term, turn. I can see why she stuck with Bill because it was about time he helped her with her career after she spent 30 years with that man helping him, right? And she turns to me and she goes, John, your self-respect is worth more than a job. <laughs> exactly. What a great and point. And that's the way I feel about yeah. this. You know mm-hmm. what? You're worried about your goddamn job. You're up there in front of him trying to save our country from losing millions of lives, and this man's being an idiot. Yep. Say something. Do something. Don't tell me I'm worried about my paycheck. Yeah. You know, you're in a – I'm sorry. Like, if I worried about my paycheck, I'd be a Republican right now making a million dollars a year. <laughs> I you think know? we all I mean, would. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's yeah, for sure. All of us would be. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, I mean, it goes to how, what you guys were both saying before. I mean, again – The whole thing is just so pathological because he's this weak, you know, insecure little child playing a man, which he's been doing his whole life. He's playing a role trying to be a man. That's right. And you see Macron, you know, get up in France and make this incredibly important and compelling speech. Is there anybody behind him? No. No. It's him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, but Trump, he can't do that. He's got to have all these, all these supposed authority yeah. figures that make him look like he's tough and, and knows what he's doing because he's such a little wimp inside. That's right. Yeah. I mean that, that this all works on all these, these sort of faux macho guys around the country is just so pathetic. Yeah. And what have we seen yeah. time and time again, when he starts to inch over toward taking on some of the Senate Republicans, like there've been a couple of occasions when he's kind of poked at Mitch McConnell. And whenever that happens, Mitch McConnell probably gets on the phone and says, stop it. And Donald Trump goes, yes, whatever you say. Sure, 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 sure. Okay. 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 Sorry, sorry, sorry. And, and because he's such a weak loudmouth and the loudmouth thing is just a reaction to the fact that he is so terribly insecure and we see it all over him. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't take, you don't need to be a detective to see or a psychologist to see his massive insecurity because it's written all over his face and his body, whether it's the clown makeup or the hair or the giant baggy suits to cover up his little tiny narrow shoulders. It's all of that kind of shit. We have to accept that, that, you know, that anything is a possibility. That's right, just right, the key thing to right, accept, which right. is the things that in past administrations, even Bush, as terrible as he was, the things that you would write off because they just, you know, they were out of a movie, they couldn't happen. Any of that could happen. He could step down suddenly here. Uh, you know, he could dump Pence and suddenly name Nikki Haley or somebody else. Yeah. I mean, he, he could find a way, his daughter, there weren't laws against it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it, it's... there's any number of of things he could do, and we have to be realistic about that. You know, it's one point I wanted to make, because I I suspect we're getting to the end of our hour, because I need to run off soon as well. But but one point, it's funny, that we kind of have been forgetting to even make, and Cliff, I don't even know if we did it on our podcast today. We are living through a life-and-death crisis that all of us predicted from day one. It finally happened. Yeah. We kept thinking it was going to be war with Korea, North Korea or something. That's what we were mm-hmm. thinking. But literally a literal life and death where millions of Americans were going to die. And we kept saying it and people said you were exaggerating, right? But we are literally finally having that moment, a crisis where millions of people could die. You know, the worst case predictions are 4 million. Well, worst could even be more than 4 million Americans dying in the next few, next six months or a year. But 
it's finally happening. It's mm-hmm. this son of a bitch finally brought us to the point that we've been fearing all this time. And if he doesn't pay a massive price for it and the Republicans don't pay a massive price at the ballot box, you know, not only is our party not worth it, the Democratic Party, but democracy doesn't work. Doesn't work yeah. If, if democracy no. in our country, our country just doesn't work anymore. If people don't wake up and go, okay, this is just done. I mean, this man, they elected a blithering idiot. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing he's, he cannot handle – you were talking – I forgot what you were saying earlier, you guys, but about some of the stuff he wasn't doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. Nope. And nope. all the people around him are afraid to say anything, like we said. So they just have him sit there. Remember the other day? He literally said the other day, well, you know, governors and mayors, you're all on your own. Try to get your own respirators. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, God. literally every city in the country calling, trying to buy respirators at the same time? Mm-hmm. What do you, go on Amazon and there are and actually respirators? that are trying to do that now, yeah. and I don't blame them. They should be, yeah. but it's not the way this is supposed to work. They're, yeah. they're doing yeah. it now out of desperation. Yeah, and you know, my forlorn hope in all of this is that this crisis will shock some people out of their torpor when it comes to supporting Donald Trump blindly and willingly. But I mean, I, you know, again, it's, it's just a hope. It's a forlorn hope. I don't expect the Red Hats yeah. to suddenly do any sort of real significant turnaround. Keep hoping. Yeah, we're just we're going to keep going through this groundhog day. We're going to keep we're going to be stuck in this endless temporal loop between Republicans screwing everything up in the White House and then a Democrat coming along and having to fix it and then Republican comes along and screws it up again. I I just again, I hope that we're shocked out of that cycle at some point not in the not too distant future. The uh the in podcast was you wrote a piece about that 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 was yeah. very good in Salon. Oh, thank you. Essentially, yeah. starting with Reagan where we've been cleaning up everything. I mean, that's the Democrat mm-hmm. who gets elected after the Republicans job yeah. is to clean up all their shit. Mhm. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's yeah. and that's the cycle yeah. that's got to end in all of this because I mean, even David yeah. Frum has admitted that the Republican Party should merely be an opposition party. They shouldn't be the party that's doing the governing because how can you have a, a party that governs right. who actually hates the government i mean that just doesn't right. seem to make any sense maybe that's the centerpiece of why they simply can't do the job uh okay the podcast yeah. is called the unprecedented podcast patreon.com slash unprecedented podcast that's presidented with like the president and you can also find john and cliff everywhere you get your podcasts Thank you so much, John. Thank you so much, Cliff. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. All right. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having us on. Good luck out there, guys. Take care.